Thank you for joining us again for the 10th episode of COVID Conversations, a special presentation of OCPOD, the official podcast of the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. These recordings began in December 2020 with the hope of discussing ongoing issues related to COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2. We hope you enjoy. This is COVID Conversations. I'm Erin Ransford and I'm here with Dr. Ismail Nabil. Dr. Nabil is the Deputy Medical Director of Employee Health, Safety and Wellness for the Mount Sinai Health System and an Associate Professor in the Department of Environmental Medicine and Public Health at the Icon School of Medicine. He is a Fellow of the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine and is the current Vice Chair of ACOM's Council on Scientific Affairs. In this series of recordings, we explore a variety of topics surrounding the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus and the COVID-19 disease. Today is March 5th, 2021. On this episode, we learn about viral vector vaccines and the differences between the vaccine options currently approved in the United States. Hi, Erin. How are you? Hi, Dr. Nabil. I'm doing well. How are you? Nice to speak with you. It's always a pleasure. We've got more vaccine news today. Yes. Uh, So one of the biggest news that came out past week was the U.S. has approved its third vaccine, which is a single dose vaccine. And you must have heard about it. Of course I have. Yes. So before we dive into that, what do you think, what have you heard so far? The Johnson & Johnson Janssen Pharmaceuticals vaccine is uh, a viral vector vaccine. So it's a different type of vaccine than the two that are currently out on the market in America. Um, both the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines are mRNA vaccines, which we've talked about several times on this show before. But the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, it's a single dose that is, it doesn't need any sort of dilutant like the other vaccines do. Uh, It can be stored at normal temperatures. So I think that it's going to be particularly great for trying to get a lot more people vaccinated in a quicker and more efficient fashion. I can't agree more. There's a lot of things that this particular vaccine might help in improving vaccination rates. And as you have said, that it's a single dose vaccine, which makes it much easier for the completion of vaccination. And since FDA approval, a single shot really is more convenient. In our case, uh, in healthcare settings, we do see patients who are homebound, and this particular vaccine might be more effective for those individuals. These individuals who who were particularly homebound and not able to come to a vaccination site to get vaccinated. The other thing that is really intriguing for me overall is the storage uh, of this particular vaccine does not require those stringent deep freeze and it could be refrigerated or could be transported in a much more conservative fashion, just like what we do for a flu vaccine. So, so th- those are some of the very big highlights, and it has implications on occupational health practices, especially physicians who are seeing workers uh, in the clinics. They can store the vaccine right on site and can deliver the vaccine uh, a single shot. You can improve vaccinations in these working populations. You can use uh, mobile vans or a pop-up site uh, where you can provide vaccinations to some of the most needy and most uh, vulnerable working populations. And they don't have to come back for a second shot. So it makes it logistically fairly easy and accessible. Hopefully this will help get our numbers up quickly. I hope so. So some very encouraging news as more and more individuals have been getting vaccinated. I think we'll continue to see that trajectory rise. 
I, every day I hear a lot of questions about this particular vaccine as well. And there are many people who are interested in getting this vaccine, but also have a series of questions. This is a different kind of vaccine, which is uh, we call it viral vector COVID-19 vaccine. Viral vector vaccines have been commonly used in health sciences or medical research. The vaccine has gone through similar rigorous testing as any other vaccine, so they are safe. Also got emergency use authorization like uh, the messenger RNA vaccines. And we have a bit more experience with viral vector vaccines, or at least viral vectors have been used in the vaccine than messenger RNA. Viral vector vaccines are basically a modified version where virus is used as a vector. And in this case, it's it's adenovirus, uh, which has been used to insert a gene onto this vector and in, onto this virus. And then it, it's been injected and goes into the cell and works in producing spike proteins. And then subsequently, the body reacts to that spike protein. So essentially, the messenger RNA vaccine that we talked about in the past, it uses similar sort of approach. They take a part of the virus in this case, spike proteins. And then they program the messenger RNA with that spike protein genetic code and then insert it into the cell. This particular vaccine, viral vector vaccine, we are using a respiratory virus, which does not cause significant symptoms called adenovirus, where we modified this virus, insert a gene from the virus that codes spike proteins, and then inserted into this modified virus, adenovirus, and then injected into the body. And then it goes into the cell and then start to produce a spike protein that body reacts to. So essentially the functions are the same. It's the delivery of the vaccine that's different. The two vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer, uses messenger RNA. This particular vaccine uses adenovirus or virus as viral vector. And just to clarify, the virus that is used is not COVID. There's no COVID virus at all in the viral vector vaccine. The the virus that's used is an adenovirus, like you said, which is basically what causes a common cold, right? Correct. Yes. They are weakened or inactivated virus that causes mild symptoms or common cold and adenovirus which is used in this particular vaccine, yes. And there's something in that that's coded so it can't duplicate or replicate itself, right? Correct, yeah. So so adenovirus has been, we, we have been using it in research for a very long time. And we have determined this particular adenovirus or viruses, we remove anything that makes them replicate in the body. So they're pretty docile, immune Uh, weakened or inactivated. They are a modified virus that we use to deliver a genetic code into the cell. So basically, they're instructing the cell to make this spike protein that the SARS-CoV-2 uses to get inside the cell. And this spike protein, when produced by the body, produces an antibodies against it. And that's how we protect ourselves from the virus. Again, there's no part of the SARS-CoV-2 virus used to build these vaccines. Viral vector vaccines have also been rigorously tested in a phase three trials 
and their safety has been evaluated. And now it has received emergency use authorization. So that's very important to be certain about that these particular vaccine goes through the same kind of rigorous testing as any other. And this is the same type of vaccine as the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine, which has not received emergency use authorization in the United States, but is being used for vaccines in Europe? Right. So, so there, there are other types of uh, similar vaccines. Uh, what you mentioned is AstraZeneca vaccine, which is based on the similar technology of adenovirus. The one difference between the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, which has been approved in Europe, and the Jensen vaccine, which has recently received emergency use authorization here in the U.S., is that the AstraZeneca vaccine uses a chimpanzee-based adenovirus, which is slightly different than the human-based adenovirus that Jensen or Johnson Johnson vaccine has used. But it's a synthetic human virus? So both viruses are synthetically sort of modified to make sure that they don't replicate. Again, safe and effective viruses that's used. A technology, it's been around since 1970. There's two Ebola vaccines that use viral vector technology as well in recent outbreaks of Ebola. So it's this is, again, not a newer technology, but older technology used very effectively as a long-term efficacy data, it's available. Does that mean that this type of vaccine, there's data that shows that it would last for a long period of time, or is that still unknown? So so like any other vaccine, COVID vaccines that's now in use, we do see body mounting an immune response against the virus, uh, but still we don't know how long that response lasts It's a subject of ongoing research. All signs support getting vaccinated makes you less susceptible to the virus. So the vaccine efficiency is about 66% in preventing COVID-19 infection, which is less than the two mRNA vaccines. But it sounds like there's a 93 or higher percent vaccine Uh, efficacy against hospitalizations or severity of disease, and there were no deaths from COVID-19 in the clinical trials for the Johnson & Johnson Janssen vaccine. Right. And that's that's a very significant number. So one of the important things about vaccines is we want to prevent hospitalization and death. That's the primary purpose of getting vaccinated. This particular vaccine is 100% effective in doing just that. By all measure, it's a fairly effective vaccine. No, no doubt. I also read that this one may prevent against asymptomatic infection. There's some indications that it it, it might. Uh, more data and more research is required or needed to understand that aspect of it. Um, again, as, as the vaccine uh, moves from phase C trials into post-marketing, we, do, we, we were able to answer these questions. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been tested at the times when we are seeing a significant increase in variants or changing virus across the world. And the the mere fact that it, it was tested in South Africa, where we do see a different strain of the virus emerging and shown to be effective in preventing hospitalization and death, that's a significantly good news in terms of efficacy of the vaccine. I personally do not compare the three vaccines together. I think they're 
all highly effective, works well. All have been approved under emergency use authorization and all have their own benefits uh, in terms of efficacy and effects. If you are eligible to get vaccine, any choice you make is a good choice. Yeah, that's that's probably important to highlight. <laughs> of course. It, like any other vaccine, it does have uh, similar uh, side effects of injection site tenderness, pain, redness, and gen- generalized side effects of headaches, feeling tired, nausea, and fever. And then there, there's other vaccine-related allergic reactions that we need to look for where we see um, severe allergic reactions with difficulty breathing, swelling of the face, throat, uh, fast heartbeat or palpitations, rash in the body, dizziness or weakness. And I I think that goes with any other vaccine that we see. So in in that sense, this vaccine is not different than other vaccine in production. The only difference here will be a single shot that tend to help people make a decision because some individuals might see it as a benefit of just getting a single shot. The vaccine trials actually looked at 28 days of data. Most of us start to develop immunity uh, well after 12 to 14 days. And in this trial, we actually looked at immunity at 28 days. In the U.S., the efficacy was reported as 72% against moderate to severe disease, which is really, really good news. And again, as I mentioned, it was 100% effective against hospitalization and death. It's definitely, in some aspect, a game changer because a convenience of storage, single shot, and vaccine effectiveness makes it a really compelling vaccine for many, many patients many individuals and many workers who prefer to get the single shot. I want to highlight the diversity that goes into trials to make sure that we cover all aspects of racial differences, ethnic or racial differences or subgroups uh, that we see in worker population as well as as in American population. So the vaccine recruited in the trial, Hispanics and African-American population as well, which, which shows that vaccine is effective in a wide range of individuals. In terms of vaccine efficacy, we we need to think about impacting or beneficial to people from different ethnic backgrounds. Did the studies show any actual difference in in ethnic or racial backgrounds in terms of vaccine efficacy? Overall effectiveness was seen in both groups, in all groups, which is really, really good. Regardless, everyone benefit from getting the shot. What about age ranges? Pfizer is 16 and older. Moderna is 18 and older. The Jensen, 18 to 64 and above uh, 65. Uh, it has shown efficacies in, in non-Hispanic Latinos, um, also in whites, blacks, uh, with or without comorbidities. It does show efficacy across the board, 14 days uh, post-vaccination. So a similar efficacy across the age, sex, race, ethnicity and those with underlying medical conditions. So overall, the vaccine has been fairly effective. I presume the other two vaccine clinical trials included a variety of racial and ethnic categories. Correct, yeah. So, so now um, most of the vaccine trials, or at least what we're doing in the U.S., you know, it does include uh, a wide range of diverse population to showcase that the vaccine is effective across uh, multiple uh, ethnic groups. 
which is very, very important to understand the efficacy of the vaccine as we understand U.S. population is fairly diverse. And I'm, I'm really delighted to see that the vaccine trial does include these ethnic groups and clearly demonstrate efficacy, which will go a long way in making sure that uh, these individuals get vaccinated and get protected against the disease, especially essential workers who are lifeline of communities and have been working tirelessly when the, the virus was surging to fulfill the needs of all of us. Very briefly, I, I do want to talk about what the vaccine is approved for, particularly Janssen vaccine. It's intramuscular injection of 0.5 ml, and most of the shipments and storage is refrigerator temperature. You can store the vaccine up to three months. It's a single dose. It doesn't need to be diluted. The FDA has approved this vaccine not to be used with any other vaccine. So a uh, single dose is enough. COVID-19 vaccines should not be interchangeable. So if you've received one kind of vaccine, it's important to get the second shot with the similar vaccine. If you have received uh, one kind of vaccine, logistically, you can optimize your operations for that particular vaccine. For example, the messenger RNA vaccine requires two doses with Pfizer 21 days apart and Moderna 28 days apart. So in in an industry setting or in a factory setting, you can optimize workforce availability for those with that interval in mind. With Johnson Johnson, because it's a single dose vaccine, you don't need to configure the logistics a single dose, one dose, one day is enough. It's very promising. I'm hopeful that we continue to make strides in, in vaccinating majority of population. The other question that always comes up is, is this vaccine can be administered to individuals with underlying medical condition? And the answer to that question is yes, you can vaccinate employees who are immunocompromised or with autoimmune conditions. These individuals can be vaccinated with this vaccine. It seems like the contraindications are similar to the other ones. If you've had a severe allergic reaction to other vaccines, then maybe you should take it under advisement. Otherwise, it's safe to do with underlying conditions. If you're more susceptible with one of your underlying conditions, COVID is more dangerous than the vaccine. Correct, yeah. So most individuals with immune suppressive conditions are more likely to have poor outcome with the disease. That's also true for COVID-19 and pregnancies, where there's increased risk of severe illness uh, with ICU admissions and death. There's always a limited data uh, for pregnant workers. So it's always important to have a discussion with your treating provider regarding vaccination during pregnancy. So far, there has been no concerns demonstrated with developmental or reproductive toxicity. As I mentioned earlier, that the adenovirus vector platform has been used in other research and clinical programs and other large-scale vaccine trials, particularly Ebola trials. So there's been some degree of information available regarding this particular kind of vaccine. The first vaccine that you're able to get is the vaccine that you should get. Sometimes choices are overwhelming because you're looking at pros and cons and look at the different percentages. And it's better to have a vaccine than to have no vaccine. So get what you can get when you can get it. Oh, no, I I can't agree more. If you have vaccines available and it's accessible, you're eligible. We have three amazing vaccines uh, available in U.S. that can really prevent the disease acquisition. And the severity of the disease if you get it. Correct. 
And, and my singular advice is you should get vaccinated because it allows you to prevent uh, the disease and uh, catastrophic health effects uh, secondary to disease. Thank you so much for this information about the new vaccine. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Aaron, to talk to you. And and I hope that uh, we can continue to get good information and try to understand the intersect between COVID-19 disease, vaccinations, and work. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another edition of COVID Conversations. 